Now, what would you do if you won a bus? Well, in 25 words or less, that is something our next guest had to answer. And to be honest, as he starts to talk about and open up in this chat, it really did change his life. I first came across Tim Gentle when I was studying down at Marcus Oldham and he turned up with these virtual reality headsets and I guess what he was trying to do was really take people on farm from wherever they were. It was pretty new technology and it was bloody mind-blowing what he'd done. Now, I got to know Tim over, well, really nearly the last six to eight years or so and I knew that he was doing more and more in this education space but I didn't know much about his story behind the scenes and he grew up in Melbourne, had a dad as a dairy farmer, spent a bit of time on a cattle station in Unundatta and had a love of technology, building his first websites and ultimately his first business from Echuca in Northern Victoria. But it hasn't all been sunshine and rainbows for Tim. What I didn't know is that at the time when he won the bus, his first business that he'd actually sold ended up leading him to bankruptcy. He had zero cents in his bank account. His marriage broke up. He was homeless at the time and I thought he was just sleeping in the bus when he went to events, but it was actually his home for quite some time. But today, he certainly has turned it around. Him and alongside his wife and CEO, Kat, are really shaping the narrative and helping educate people right across Australia into what actually happens inside the farm gate and right through the agriculture supply chain. So his story is absolutely remarkable. It's really sobering to hear, and I think it just shows broadness and interesting parts and pathways of people within agriculture. So, let's jump into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Lalite. And this week, I'm sitting down with a bloke who I met in 2014. I might even surprise you with this, Tim, but I remember first time I came across you was through Think Digital and you came down to Marcus Oldham. I was a student there and it was the very first time that I've ever seen virtual reality and I guess what I was captivated by and loved about it was that it was allowing people to come in behind the farm gate and understand agriculture from no matter where they were, if they had a set of virtual reality goggles. And then I think from that, we've had the chance at Global Table 2019, we got the bus in there, Global Food Innovation Summit. And then you're also just this, my resident photographer when it comes to every now and then an opportunity pops up and there you are, you just appear out of the woodwork with your camera. So Tim, welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Thrilled to be here, Ollie. Yeah, I love taking photos of you, mate, on stage. You are on a projectile and going upwards, so happy to be on that journey. Mate, I'm fascinated to hear about yours today because I think for what we've chatted about off-air is you're known as this guy who I'd say has really come in and I'm going to say revolutionised the way that we're showing agriculture to a whole bunch of people and you've done that through schools, you've done it right around Australia. I'm fascinated to dive into that, but I'm also keen to understand why agriculture and more about you, Tim. And I think knowing that you've built Think Digital up to being a team as well, I'd be keen to pick your brain a little bit on that. But firstly, a question that I love to ask people is, especially around this why agriculture, what's your earliest, happiest memory around agriculture? And can you explain it to me? Great question. You know, the ironic thing is, it's probably the worst job on a farm. My dad was a dairy farmer, but we have this uh, shit pit, right? So when you spray the dairy out, you know, it all goes down the end of the pit and then it goes down and gets sucked out and goes out to the uh, turkey nets where, you know, it's uh, then pushed out into the paddocks. 
my job was to get down into the pit <laughs> and dig it out, right? So, you know, I'm knee-deep in just manure and uh, I'm digging it out and I'm digging and digging. It's like digging out a well. And I finally get to the bottom of the concrete and then you hear the scraping of the spade on the bottom and you know you've got there and you're like, hey, Dad, you know, <laughs> I've cleaned out the shit pit. You know, is that one of my fondest memories? I would say yes. There was just this ironic thing about that job, you know, probably the worst job on the farm, but so much satisfaction when you got to the bottom. I'm sure there's many more, Ollie, but that's a funny little story I always um, reminisce on. You know, my dad moved to the country when I was about eight. He came to me when I was swimming. I remember swimming in a carnival. I was a fairly good swimmer when I was young. And he showed me this little article out of the paper and he said, hey, Tim, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to leave my job here. My, he was a graphic designer. I'm going to buy a dairy farm. And I've gone, oh, my God. Anyway, so he did end up buying it. You know, I spent a bit of time up there, Ollie, on the farm and with my mum. So I'm a bit of a hybrid. And, uh, yeah, so that's one of my fondest memories in farming, cleaning out the shit pit. And how did your old man go, that transition from graphic design? I can see now where maybe some of the interests and, and linkages have come, but how did he go from graphic designer to dairy farmer? Well, I mean, he took on the challenge. I remember he even went to night school and, and learnt a bit about you know, dairy farming, but uh, he had a transitional period from the original guy. He brought the farmer out and uh, he'd learnt a little bit off him. But there were struggles. You know, the biggest struggle for him was, you know, how do you grow a dairy farm when you've only got 100 or so cows in the yard? How do you grow? And I remember that was one of his biggest struggles, you know, getting from a single operator into something a bit bigger. But he did well. I mean, he kept at it for 20 years and ended up selling the farm off at the end. A little story, I was working over in the UK, Ollie, and I was saving up money. Now, when you're in the UK, you're traveling, you head over to Europe, no doubt, maybe pop down to Africa. I decided to save money to buy cows. And my idea was that I would come back to Australia and enter the dairy farming industry with dad. So I had this thing up on my wall. It was a little paddock. And every time I got $1,000, I would pin a cow up on the wall in the paddock. And so eventually I had 25 cows in the paddock anyway i sent back 25k to dad from london he brought the cows and uh you know the rest is history i did actually come back from the uk and and became a share farmer in a way on the on the family farm what were you doing over in the uk like what was it that led you there oh look i've lived overseas i think in total now i'll leave for over seven years so i have seen quite a bit many different countries so i think the uk for me was a working holiday to see that side of the world. I was working for APT, Australian Pacific Tours. My job was to promote Australia and New Zealand, and I used to travel around the UK in a little car to the travel agents and hold up brochures and talk to them about the different tours that APT offered. So I went to every nook and cranny around England. I went all the way up to Scotland, and ironically, I remember this Ollie, I'll, I'll be careful not to dive in too deep. But when I started that job, they gave me this book. I reckon that book was 100 pages and it was a directory of all the travel agents, a book. And they said, here, Tim, you know, this has got the highlights and the ones that are highlighted yellow, they're the really good ones. And I said, a book? You want me to travel around? Anyway, I said, look, we need to look at this differently. And so I ended up uh, buying the digital version of the book I created a database from the directory 
I ended up using a TomTom GPS and I went around and I marked them all on a GPS. And eventually, after a year of working for this company, I created a database of all the travel agents right across the UK and they were all rated gold, silver and bronze, whether or not they'd sold any tours or not. So that was my little legacy for APT, building them a database from digital to, you know, from paper-based to digital. So I want to find out, what on earth did you actually study? After year 12, I went to Swinburne University and did a business degree. I was right into business. I wanted to be my own, you know, was sort of a bit of an entrepreneur and wanted to have my own business. So I did that. Ended up getting a, an amazing job with Surf Lifesaving and became their marketing manager. And I actually was a marketing manager from a few organizations. And this was back in the day, Ollie, where websites were just starting to come in. So maybe that ages me a bit. Mid-90s-ish? Yeah, yeah. So I said to these companies, we need websites, you know, we need to have a better website. So, you know, I was getting quotes for getting websites built and I'm going, oh, look, you know. So I went back to uni and did my master's in IT and learned how to build websites myself. And I ended up finding out I was pretty shit at coding, very good at architecting, listening to someone, listening to what they do, who their clients are, what they sell, what their problems are. And I was very good at sort of bringing all of that together into a a sort of an IT strategy. So that sort of IT background sort of led me to, I guess, where I am today. But if you bring together agriculture, I've worked on a cattle station for several years. I I had an amazing experience out there at Udenadatta at a place called Todd Morden. Douglas Lillycrap out there was incredible. You pull together my experience with Dad and the dairy farm and you pull together a bit of an IT sort of, you know, background, that's what Think Digital is. And, and so that's the link. It's the link with the land and the link with my passion to sort of build IT solutions. And that's what I'm doing today. So what was it that led down this pathway? You, as you were saying that before about being the travel agent to sell Australia, you were kind of like an early day Hamish Blake or Chris Hemsworth for Tourism Australia, but just the agriculture version. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, thank you very much. You're welcome, Tim. Yeah, I'll take that one. That'll, that'll <laughs> be, you know, Ollie, I guess for me, when I was milking cows, don't get me wrong, I did it all right. You know, that was, but I used to do a lot of thinking and I knew how am I going to make more money? How am I going to build a better life? And I, and I just really struggled in that pit to think this is going to take me years to get out of this. And so I did overhear a conversation with my dad and his wife that they were struggling to pay me. I, I really, I heard that and I, I just went, oh my God, I've got a master's in IT. I've traveled the world. I've been marketing manager. I've had really good jobs. I'm now living on dad's dairy farm. I was on, my wage was like, it was an apprentice wage. Like I went back 10 years in wages. And it was purely, I just said, dad, we're going to try and make this work. It didn't work. And I decided that I would still milk the cows in the morning But then I used to drive my ute into town and I opened up this little little shop and I called it Design Experts and it was in Echuca. And I used to, during the day, build websites for people in the country and then in the afternoon I'd jump back in the ute and drive back and milk the cows in the afternoon. And I did that for a year, milked in the morning, worked the business during the day, milked in the afternoon. And after a while my business started taking over. And uh, I was able to approach dad and said, look, dad, 
I'm going to have to leave the farm. I'm going to take on this business that's uh, starting to brew on the side. And like, I'm interested, was it like the ideal life, like being able to mix the farming side of things and I guess this other real passion area that you could have some real control over where it was going? The hardest part was probably operating under dad. I struggled a little bit with that on the farm. Uh, you know, he's a little bit more straight down the line, you know, probably doesn't want to grow as quick as I did. And so I did struggle a little bit on farm, but I used to love milking, loved it. I used to love driving the tractors. I used to love, I used to hate getting up and changing the waters. Don't get me wrong. There was some part, God, but I used to really enjoy the problem solving of the farm and the fencing and the, and just, you know, I was learning every day because it was always something to do. But I really got inspired by the little business that I was building on the side because I was meeting the most amazing people. So I was building websites from everyone from, you know, who owned a motel uh, to the local government to someone who operated from home and maybe did screen printing T-shirts. You know, I got to meet these incredible people. And I used to take them through a little process to get to the end to say, rightio, now I know your business. I know how we can promote it and build a website. And I did that, I think, quite successfully, you know, and to the fact that I was asked, um, Ollie, to go over to America because someone in America had spotted this little company in Australia who was pumping out these websites on this software platform. And they were curious, you know, how does this one little company build so many websites? And I ended up flying over and I spoke at Adobe Max about the sales process that I used to go through. And all these web designers came along and they wanted to know, you know, I, at the time, I think I had around 700 websites, you know, like we were getting quite big, you know, and it was just very simple questions, getting to know the business, getting to know who they service, what their problems they were solving, what are their values, you know, and eventually I was able to then pull together a strategy. That's what I love doing. That's what I really love. So I had to leave the farm because working with all these amazing people and helping them to solve their problem and building them a website was something I inspired to. Was it difficult? Like I'm trying to think what we were nearly around the turn of the 2000s here and, and even like still today, you go to regional towns and it's getting better, but like connectivity is still pretty shocking. But you're building websites for businesses based out of a regional town. Like was that not a hindrance or? No, that was okay. I don't think it was a real hindrance. Ollie, looking back, you know, some people didn't have connectivity to a degree, but no, look, building a website solution, yes, it does require connectivity. I didn't really struggle with it back then. Occasionally, some of my clients wouldn't have connectivity, but they'd still want to promote their farm stay. So, you know, my job was to build the website for them so people in the city could find them. So it wasn't a struggle as much as you would probably think it was. But, you know, that was a beautiful part of my life building this little business up from nothing to you know we had a thousand websites Ollie and I was approached by a larger company that had been keeping their eye on me and uh, they said Tim would you be interested in selling your business and um, looking back this was around 2014 that I was approached and you know Ollie at the time we were doing quite well I wouldn't say perfectly I, I was starting to have cash flow issues i Got a bigger premise, so I decided to expand and I, I reckon I put in about 100K into 
making this new place look really good. It wasn't even my place. I just wanted to look cool. Looking back, I'm really pissed off I did that, but I did. And so I put myself in a pretty bad position. And in a way, I was almost nearly forced to sell because I was starting to have issues. And I thought, well, I'm getting a bit tired. There's a lot of people that I'm responsible for. Maybe there's something else out there for me. So I, I ended up signing and selling the business, Ollie. And I've got a couple of questions. And I think it's going to tie into the Think Digital story. So you can tell me we'll just park it and come back to it. But I'm interested, like, when you're building your own business, and you can probably understand why I'm asking this question, but like that passion and enthusiasm that you come at it with, one, how did you keep it up? But two, did you literally just drain the tank completely? And that's why the decision to sell became far easier? Loved what I did. I drove, like I used to talk about stories. I, I had clients in Lakes Entrance and I had clients in Mildura and I had clients in Portland and Geelong and uh, I actually built the Marcus Oldham site to so you know. And, uh, you know, the thing is I used to drive around the country to meet these people and to help them out and I just used to thrive on that. Look, I think, you know, where I went wrong, looking back, it was I didn't manage my cash flow enough. And unfortunately, Ollie, I was a little bit burnt out, but I got myself into a bit of position where I'm going, God, I'm going to have to sell more websites to be able to pay the wages and uh, I'm carrying a little bit of tax debt. You know, I should have paid that last bass. And, you know, it was my first business. I mean, I was kind of semi-making it up as I went. I didn't go to entrepreneur school, although I did have a business degree, I guess. You know, you do have to learn by, you know, fire sometimes and I made mistakes. So when I came to sell, it was a relief. It was definitely a relief. And, you know, and we were talking six figures and I was only in my 30s, you know, or something in the early 40s maybe. I was really proud of that. And I was like, well, I got out of that one, I thought. The big company came along and uh, I worked for them for a year. So part of the sale was for me to stay on and, and run the company. They ended up buying 17 other businesses along the way. So we were building this big network of web designing companies to become Australia's sort of largest web designing firm, a bit like, I guess, a GoDaddy or something like that, you know, Melbourne IT, you know, sort of thing. The story goes, and I'd be interested in sharing this with you, Ollie, if you don't mind. But uh, I was working for them for, I think, about nine months. And I remember one day I was, came into the office and I got a phone call from the head office. And uh, the words were something along this. I can't overly remember the phone call because it was pretty traumatic. But the phone call was along the lines of, Tim, we've got some really serious news we need to talk to you about. Unfortunately, the parent company has been caught for tax evasion and that we're going to have to shut down all the businesses, you know, the high courts, you know. We're in a lot of trouble, and so are you. And I'm like, hang about, sorry. I knew that we had a little bit of an issue on a parent level, but I didn't know that you were avoiding tax, and now you're telling me you're going to shut us all down. And I said, I took a deep breath, and I said, well, what about the sale of the business? And Ollie, the sale that I had negotiated was to be paid when the company floated on the stock exchange. And so they never floated, Ollie. And my business and about 15 other businesses went down the gurgler and uh, I never got paid. So <laughs> that day, that day, 2014 maybe, 15, 
I found out that the company that I started and sold was about to be closed down. I had no way of getting back the company. I didn't have any money. I didn't, I don't know. I was just, and all my staff had to lose their jobs. And I think I, I remember I called my number one client, Bendigo Tourism back then. And I said, I need to talk to you really seriously. And I remember them coming up and visiting me that day. And I couldn't even hold a conversation, Ollie. I was, I was crying. Like I was, I wasn't good. Like they were very concerned about me at that stage. Like, and all I had to say to them was, I've really fucked up. You know, so I, I think I'm going to lose everything today. And I think you're going to lose all your work and your website and your app and everything. Unfortunately, Ollie, uh, you know, I'm not telling the story so well because that day wasn't a very good day for me. But here's the ironic thing. At my lowest point, <laughs> I remember it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. I had to slap myself into gear because that night of all nights, I was asked to do a presentation in town on how to build your business online for Australia Post. So I had two hours to turn myself around, pull myself together and stand up on stage in my own town and I presented about how to build your business online. Australia Post had asked me to be the, the guest speaker. I got up on stage that night and I did the best presentation I have ever done in my life. I was fearless. I was, I was just, I, don't, I was just another person. I don't know what it was, but I just said, I have lost everything. I've got nothing to lose. I'm just going to let this audience have it. Little did I know that the big head honcho in Australia Post was sitting in the audience and I ended up forming a very good relationship with him and uh, there's a big story behind that. But Australia Post actually became a, a very good client of mine after that night for Think Digital. And just goes to show you, you never know, you know, you, you might be at your weakest hour on your knees in a whole lot of trouble crying to your bloody clients I fucked up. This is what I've done wrong. You're going to lose everything too. Well, you better dust yourself off. <laughs> I'm interested. Like, why did you turn up and do that presentation that night? Yeah. At, my wife at the time says, you can't go do this. <laughs> They'd organized the seats, the people, the event. Like, everyone, I, if I didn't turn up, there wouldn't have been an event. And so I just thought, well, I'll just do it. I'm so glad I did it, Ollie, because... The guy that was sitting in the audience came up to me and shook my hand. He says, wow, that was insane. He goes, I want you to travel around Australia doing all this presentation to everybody. Anyway, um, I spoke to him a month later. So he rings me up and he says, you know how I came along to that speech, Timmy? I want you to go up to Darwin and I want you to do the same one up there. And I told him and I wrote an email. I said, I can't even afford to put food on the table, let alone let alone fly up to Darwin. I wrote this email to him. I said, if you want me to go to Darwin, I'm so sorry. I'm just going, I, I can't afford to go. I, I told him what happened and how I lost the business. And he goes, you lost the business that same day? And I said, yep. He goes, you're remarkable. He goes, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to fly you up to um, Darwin and you can sleep in my room. I ended up sleeping on the ground in this guy's room, this random who I just met in Darwin, and I went up and did the presentation in Darwin, and then they flew me to Wagga, and they flew me to wherever, and Australia Post ended up getting me to write the entire 
strategy on how to onboard their frontline staff to become more digital literate. And so I picked up a, an incredible job that picked me out of the times and um, Australia Post became my number one client for many, many years. So you just never know, Ollie. I think you can't sit in the top corner and cry too long. You know, you've got you to pick yourself up. Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community well-being and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www.rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. So let's chat through 2014, you lose the business design experts. Same time, I guess this opportunity and introduction happens that becomes, I guess, the birth child of Think Digital, which... For many people, and I guess how I know of you is through the bus, but the bus itself has a story as well in terms of how you acquired that. So was it around this time that there was a competition running for someone giving away a bus? Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Well, ironically, um, the Queensland government heard about what I was doing for Australia Post, this digital literacy training, and they asked me to come up to Queensland to run the digital literacy um, program for Queensland up there. So I I got these good little jobs. I knew my topic. I just had this terrible background about, you know, all the stuff. And at the time, you know, I was having trouble with my wife, you know, my family. And when I went up to Queensland, they were a bit apprehensive in bringing me up because they had heard that I had filed for bankruptcy. And here was I traveling around helping people to build their online strategy. So there was that little bit of a, you know, embarrassment for me when I was going up there. I didn't say anything at the time, but I remember. I went out to this one business and it was a coach company out of Rockhampton and we were just talking and uh, they were actually uh, a company up there that had these buses. About a week later, when I got back to Bendigo, I got an email to say, hey, we're going to run this competition, Tim. And after hearing, you know, meeting you a couple of weeks ago, we really think you should consider applying. Um, we're going to give a bus away and you have to do something with it, something amazing. And you've got to put in an entry. We're not just going to give you the bus, Tim. There's going to be lots of people. So they did. They ended up putting this competition on Facebook, Ollie, and they said anyone who wants to win a bus has to put a entry in, and in 25 words or less, they have to say what they would do if they won the bus. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll have a crack at that. Anyway, I, I put my entry in. I t- typed it out a few times in Notepad, no doubt, back then, and I ended up copying and pasting it, put it into Facebook, and I said, "Radio." And my 25 words, Ollie, was that I'd converted into a classroom, travel throughout regional, rural, and remote Australia, educating people about the digital world. You know, I was going to take what I was already doing with Australia Post and the Queensland Government, I was going to take it on the road. Why not? This seems to be good. Ironically, though, Ollie, in 2003, uh, I drew a picture. I've still got that picture. And it was 
me with a video camera, a backpack, and there was this big trailer behind me, like a box trailer with a satellite, computers, and there was this nomadic traveller pulling this technology with a satellite on the roof, going around and educating people and filming. That was what I wanted to do. I drew this in 2003, well before dairy farms and UKs and APTs and surf lifesavings. And so ironically, they rang me up after I put my entry in about two months later and said, Tim, we loved your entry. We want you to win. Come and pick up your coach. And I'm like, wow, wow, okay. So I rushed back, tell my wife, I've won a bus. We're doing this. We're going places. Ironically, the little thing that hurts a little bit with this story is that she wasn't supportive of the bus. And this was my wife. I'm now, um, we're separated now. I'm, I'm remarried now, Ollie. Um, we're going back in you know, eight years now. But, you know, sadly, this bus, which had been presented to me, was also probably the catalyst for the separation of the family because she saw it as a way that I was escaping and driving away and leaving us, you see, like this nomadic explorer going out to, to fight for the people in regional, rural and remote Australia. But what about my family, you know? So just sort of spin that on uh, the story. But I headed up to Rockhampton and picked up the bus. I was going to ask you on that, Tim. Do you ever regret that decision to go and get the bus? No one's ever asked me that one. So let's just say it from the heart. I regret what it did to that marriage. Yeah. But I don't regret believing in myself and the drawing that I drew in 2003 and the reason I won it and what I could see in my vision. I don't regret that because I am really where I am today because I stuck to my, you know, that vision and that value and that constant thing I wanted to use the bus as a classroom, as a way to go out there and help, you know, bridge the digital divide. And so think digital wouldn't be where it is today, you know. So that bus changed my life, uh, you know, in more ways than one. You know, I did have my bus driver's licence in a way. I had my heavy rigid from the cattle station, but I was very intimidated. I actually had to fly up with my dad to go pick it up. I said, Dad, you're going to have to come and drive this big sucker home. It's 14 metres. Like, it's not a small bus. But great question, Ollie. You know, there was one of those sliding door moments, wasn't it? You win a bus, but you lose your family and and then you gain a new direction. Because it's interesting because I remember, and I learned about it off air, so flagging that up front, but well, I remember seeing you at events and knowing that you'd sleep in the back of your bus at the events. I didn't realise that it was your home as well. I didn't have a home. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a choice. Like my wife and my kids had the house. In fact, uh, we lost the house as well, so they had a rental. I couldn't afford to go and buy or rent uh, at the time. I was rebuilding. And so I ended up, yeah, winning the bus, which became my home. And, uh, you know, little dicky things like um, I used to hang one of those canvas showers over the uh, rear vision mirror. And so I used to just, you know, <laughs> have a shower in the nude out, out the front of the bus, you know, heating up hot water on the kettle, you know, shaving in the rear vision mirror and no doubt getting ready for a, a webinar or something I was running on the bus. But, you know, Rocky, that's the name of the bus, Rocky from Rockhampton, you know, actually kind of cool, the, the movie Rocky, you know, as well. Rocky has been part of the family now for seven years and has become the Trojan horse. 
That has been the link. That's what got us on Landline. You know, Landline came on the bus for a few days and travelled and we went out and we showed young kids, taught them where their food comes from with MLA. And now we're also doing Woolworths. So Woolworths now have got a big bus ride and they they are the ones that are, are taking the bus around to different agricultural shows and educating young kids and families on making healthy food decisions. And we're using VR on the bus. So, you know, there's so many people that I've met along the way because of the bus, the ones that believed in me right from the start, you know, the Chrissy Sparrows of the world, you know, uh, who invited me out, the Georgie Somersets. Tim, bring your bus to the town. And I think, Ollie, you know, we even tried to to do something as well. You know, over the years, we, we took it, as you said, the global table. So it's been brilliant for us as a tool and a marketing tool. It has a story. It has a personality. I've written a book about it. And uh, that bus has uh, saved me. And I always ask people this question, what would you do if you want a bus? I always start my presentations or I like people to think about that. And, you know, that was a story and that was a chapter in my life. Well, you've given me, we've jumped ahead slightly, but one thing which I always ask from each guest is a question for a future guest. And I reckon that's probably not a bad one for us to lean in and ask some other people on the podcast. Yeah. Well, most people put a spa bath and travel around Australia. But there's been things like soup kitchens and homeless bedding. There's been a, a chicken farm, so for free-range chickens. Uh, you know, I've heard them all. Interesting. Yeah, we'd probably make it a podcast studio, I reckon. Yeah, well, it's all set up for podcasting, just so you know. So that was one of my things, this travelling studio. I brought it down to Marcus one time, actually, too. So, you know, all the students came on the bus. I don't know if that was your year, but um, it's been to Marcus a few times. You know, I've actually spoken to Marcus for six years running. I've got a lot of time for Marcus and the people that are sort of uh, come out the other side and the alumni that you've got. And I think, you know, there's some great little podcasts. I mean, how was that story recently with Clancy? Yeah. Yeah, mate, I'm, <laughs> I was listening to that and the struggle he had with his dad and watching his dad slowly sort of decay from cancer, that made me like really cry. Like my my father has just been diagnosed with cancer, right? And so I'm struggling a little bit with that myself. And you know, you do a great job, Ollie, with meeting the the right people and, and speaking to them and, and bringing the best out of people in agriculture. I think the people are what make up agriculture, and that's why I did think digital, and that's why I did design experts. It's the problems we solve and the people we meet that inspire me. The technology, yeah, VR is kind of cool. Augmented reality is kind of cool, but it's the problems and the people that really get me excited. I love that. I'll just write that down as a quote. It's the problems we solve and the people that we meet that inspire us. That's cool. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I was going to ask you, where is Think Digital today? Have you got a team of people? Where's the business? Yeah, so Think Digital operates at the front of my home now, Ollie, uh, in the Adelaide Hills. So I find myself remarried to a beautiful, beautiful new wife, Kat. And uh, Kat and I live in a house and we've built this studio out the front. All the team come along and work out the front. And when I say all the team, we're only a small little uh, team in terms of full-timers, but we've got a lot of contractors, a lot of really skilled professionals, technicians, artists, programmers, videographers. So we call them in when we need them for the big projects. But, you know, if someone asked me, you know, how do you describe Think Digital? 
Well, we solve complex problems in agriculture using emerging technologies. And so an emerging technology, Ollie, might be like, as you mentioned, VR or, or AR, which is augmented reality. And we're dabbling in AI now too. So I'm always looking at what's next, what's next. My job is to keep Think Digital going. You know, virtual reality is kind of a hip thing at the moment, but we're moving into augmented reality. That's when we can see the real world and the digital world together. And we're also moving into AI. And so how do I bring all those technologies to solve problems? So a problem, I guess we've got categories of problems, but we solve things like workforce training. How do we recruit? How do we upskill? So VR is brilliant for that. Educating kids where their food comes from. And that's a good one, you know, the disconnect between, you know, the city and the, and the country. So we use 360 video to tell stories. So Woolies love all the stories we produce. We just produced one about the odd bunch and teaching kids that it might look a bit funny but it tastes the same. And the underpinning reason for that is to fight food waste and also child obesity. So we're looking at ways to solve problems like that. Another problem is biosecurity. So how do we use AR or VR to solve biosecurity? A really cool application we recently built was the Sheep EAD, AR app, Emergency Animal Diseases. So you put on these glasses, Ali, these HoloLenses, they're a Microsoft product, and it throws a 3D digital sheep in front of you. In fact, it throws about six of them in front of you, and your job is to pick out the one that looks sick. And then you pick that out of the flock and then you have to identify the symptoms. So we're using AR as a training tool to engage with producers to identify diseases in their, in their stock. But the big one that keeps me up at night, and believe me, I get up early and I, I go to bed pretty early though, but I get up early and the big one I'm trying to do right now, Ollie, is productivity. How do we grow more food? How do we become better at farming using the same technology. So how can VR, AR and AI help increase productivity? And so that's what I'm working on now. Yeah, that's cool. I've got a few questions which I want to kind of wrap on, Tim. One, which I'm interested in watching from the outside, you've stepped back as CEO and I guess driving force of Think Digital and you've allowed someone else to come in. Two questions off of that. Why do you make that decision and what's that been like? And two, I guess, where does that then put you in the business and where the business is heading into the future. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually quite a beautiful story, Ollie, because Kat, the CEO of Think Digital, is my wife. We got married a year ago, but before we were married, you know, we were partners and she worked in the business. When she worked in the business, Ollie, when we first met going back five years ago, she helped me to write the script for the lamb paddock to plate, the MLA story that we told and we did a really good job of that. The cat wrote the story, right? And so over the years, she's just been transitioning and getting better and better from starting to write the script where I went out and filmed it to working with the clients now to identifying their problems and coming up with the solution. I mean, her golden baby was that sheep EAD AR app, that HoloLens. I wasn't the, the mastermind of that. Cat did that. And just I was just watching Cat grow in the business and I don't know whether I was worn out tired or just recognized that she was better than me and doing all this stuff I just made a decision one day I said Kat we have to switch you have to get into the driver's seat you are now the bus captain <laughs> the CEO 
and I, I remember doing it on the deck. We've got a nice little deck here that we look over the, you know, the, the trees and we just decided on the spot that she'll become CEO. So there wasn't like an official board meeting or there wasn't like, a, you know, a job description. But to break it all down, Ali, Kat just does a better job at running the business than I do. I've got a few little hang-ups in my previous business. I'm not as... I was just burnt pretty badly. So she's got that drive to learn. She can make big decisions. I'm kind of a little bit more protective, I guess, a little bit. She's really good with people. I don't know, you know, there comes a time when I just want to build shit. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just love creating. She can talk to someone and and build the relationships. She sends chocolates at the end of projects. You know, she writes Christmas cards. I mean, who does that? Cat does, you know. But the idea is that, I guess, Having your wife run the business, I'm kind of inspired and I think I fell more in love with her because she's just got a thirst to learn and, go, and she, she has a mentor. And she actually won last year, Ollie, the Emerging Entrepreneur for South Australia. Like, she is go. So I remember when I was go, all right? <laughs> and I built a thousand websites. In fact, in 2012, we were recognized as the regional business of the year in Victoria. I've had all those accolades. I've lost all those accolades. I don't know if it's worth using the line, but I do like being the man behind the curtain. Kind of don't mind it. I used to be the showman, you know, up on stage. But I don't know. There's something about that allows me to focus on what I'm good at, and I'm good at building stuff, Ollie. I'm good at making the team build stuff. Come on, we've got to make this better. Why is that letter not aligned to the next letter you know i'm right down to that level i think that's my biggest skill but uh you know she's very good at running the business the people and i would say cash flow (laughs) cash flow always important now one other question i think we could keep talking forever but i'm gonna i'm just gonna ask one final question and i'm sure you've probably answered it a thousand times before but if you get the chance to talk to stand up in front of a bunch of year 10 students and talk to them about a career in agriculture they can be anywhere in Australia. Why would you say to them that they should consider a career in agriculture in 2023? Well, so they can clean out, you know, the, the shit pit. <laughs> that's, that's easy, Ollie. Who doesn't want to clean out a shit pit? That's completely wrong, right? So that's the whole thing. See, image has this stigma. Uh, agriculture has this stigma about it. You know, people don't understand it enough about the, the variety of jobs and the, the technology advancements that's coming into ag. So, you know, that's what we do. We work with companies to shift the perception of agriculture and that's one of the projects that we're working on with several RDCs. But answering that question, given that opportunity, I would say something along the lines of this, like there is so much variety, there's so many challenges and there's such great people in agriculture that, you know, the world is your oyster. But if there's anyone in the audience today who thinks they want to be a programmer, thinks they want to maybe be a scientist, think they want to be a robotics or mechatronics engineers, we want you to come to agriculture. And so that's the spin on it. It's not that they are going to work for agriculture. They can become a robotics engineer, but they can come and build it in ag tech. We can get people on Mars later. You know, so a lot of people go to health and defence and mining and manufacturing and whatever. Come over to agriculture. Bring those skills and bring that job description over to us. We'll find you something to do. And so that was what I would say. 
And where we're going with agriculture, with AI, and with ag tech and the idea that we can automate things, there's so much opportunity for the programmers of the world to dig their teeth in and create something really amazing that will help feed the world. It's a very special industry to be part of. And I can just see it now, the advertising campaign around it. Like it, it is, it's, we want them and we want people to bring whatever they aspire to be, whatever their dreams are, come and do it in agriculture. Well done. I'm doing some career matrix. Actually, I'm going to a careers event tonight and my job is to put VR headsets on those students at a private school and showcase all the opportunities that are available to them in agriculture. Now, I'm not trying to recruit anyone. I'm just going along, not getting paid, but I'm that passionate about putting these headsets on these young kids and showing them, hey, it's not about emptying the ship here. You can be driving this amazing machinery. You can be flying this drone. You can be working on this gene editing. You can travel the world, you know, and so the VR experience will take them on a six-minute experience to showcase everything available to them in agriculture and it puts them in the seat. And so, you know, we're competing against defence, we're competing against mining, we're competing against health. So why not agriculture? And I love using this line, we should make agriculture look sexy you know, and, and it is. So I'm looking forward to tonight and I'm working with several RDCs, the AMPCs of the world. I'm working with Australian Eggs. I'm working with Wine Australia and we're creating these career matrix. And just what you said then, Ollie, we look at their aspirations, we look at their skills and we look at their subjects that they like in school and they click and they select what they like and what they want to do and what they're good at. And then it showcases some opportunities in agriculture that they can consider. So I'm deep in the trenches. We're attracting them. We want you. That's cool. We're going to have to chat about that one. But um, Tim, thank you for coming and joining us and sharing. I'm saying only a part of your story, but I think it's a very interesting background and journey you've been on. I think the synergies and, and the things that have really followed you is around this bringing the digital world to more people, allowing people to connect to it, but also solve problems through it. And I think yeah, I'm, I've been fascinated looking from the side and, and inspired in terms of the type of work you're doing and how you've been able to build a team and businesses and livelihoods out of something which you're also passionate about. And it's something which here at Humans of Ag, like I get a lot of inspiration and drive from that going, okay, like you can think outside the box and it is possible in agriculture. And I think you and your story is just a, a prime example of that. So thanks for the time. Thank you, Ollie. And, uh, and back at you, mate. I'm enjoying watching your journey and uh, leaving your day job and having a crack yourself. So, you know, whether you're living on a bus or you're living in a little shared accommodation in Geelong, I don't know what you're up to. Yep. <laughs> One day you will be up there and uh, I'll take another photo of you on stage, mate. <laughs> Good on you. Thanks, mate. I think well, there was a few things that I took out from Tim's chat, but the part which has really stuck with me was around what he's done with his team and the agreements piece, do what we say we're going to do and that everyone has a story to tell. And I think that's so interesting and something which for me, I guess, really resonates with what we're doing here at Humans of Agriculture. I'd love to know what your takeaways are. Hit us up on socials or podcasts at humansofagriculture.com and get in touch. See ya.